We need to go from being success focused, right? We need to be going from success focused to engaged in significance, to engaged in understanding why we're doing what we're doing. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. All right, here we are back with another episode of Moved Entrepreneur Evolved. And I've got Christian DeVries. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I know you mentioned you're you're in Arizona. I know during this time it gets a little bit chilly. Is it has it hit that point yet? <laughs> Actually, we have not gotten chilly yet. We uh, are still been in the 80s, so it's been fantastic. We 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 kind of call it it's another cruddy day in the valley when it hits 80 degrees uh, this time of year. Um, but we're supposed to get some uh, cooler weather next week. We um, just uh, had Thanksgiving, and for one of the Thanksgiving, we ended up going. Um, I'm in San Diego, and one of the things we just said, oh, let's go to this golf course, and we'll kind of hang out there for a little bit. And it was absolutely beautiful. And I'm like, what's going on? It's December. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe every year changes. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you're the founder of AOS Athletics of Significance and also the CEO of Coaching the Bigger Game, uh, which is going to be coming out sooner. And the reason I thought um, you'd be a great uh, guest on the show, um, and that is because you're in a coaching aspect and um, you coach uh, soccer. I've done a little bit of my homework to get to know a little bit of uh, the things that you do. And it seems that you have a lot of fun with that. When did, when did you start coaching soccer and when, when did that kind of come about? I think that's a, that's a, that's a great story uh, I like to tell. Um, I, I was not a, a I was not your typical maybe soccer player. I, I did play club soccer when I was younger. Um, kind of got, was involved in that, and uh, I got I got burned out on soccer, you know, early on. And I going into my senior year in uh, in high school, I ended up uh, running cross country, and I ended up at Adams State College in Alamosa, Colorado, and I ran cross country, and then I got involved in soccer again. Well, fast forward to when I'm getting ready to graduate, I tore my ACL in uh, the first game of the season. And when I did that, we had just split from being a co-ed team to having a girls and boys team or men's and women's team. And I started working, helping coach the girls, the women's team. And I got this niche for coaching. And I really, I, I like this idea of coaching. Um, and I, so I started doing some more coaching and I worked on my master's degree and I was very, very fortunate. Um, right place, right time. Uh, God winks, I like to call it. Uh, I had just finished my master's degree in guidance and counseling. Uh, I applied for a job at Missouri Valley College, and I was the only candidate that applied for the job that had a degree related to psychology and uh, was interested in coaching and wanted to coach the women's soccer team. And the reason why I got the job is because I could teach a general psychology class. So at the age of 23, mm. I was thrust into the realm of college sports as a head coach. Um, for a women's program. And uh, I had to cut my teeth. I had, I had to learn a lot on my own through those early years of coaching women's soccer. And this year marks my 25th year of being a college coach. And uh, this year was a new year. I was actually coaching both the men's and women's programs where I'm at at Paradise Valley Community College in Phoenix. That's fascinating, man. It's, it's, it's interesting how sometimes, you know, opportunity and chance and you know, just showing up, like he's, I mean, you were just the only guy that had the right criteria. And I'm sure that when you went in to try to get that opportunity, you're thinking I have 15 people I have to, you know, 
you know, try to win over. And I think that uh, it's like, you know, that's not what happened. I think that's a great, uh, that's a great story to people that sometimes just showing up is what do they say? Half the battle, right? I was GI Joe, but I think that's part of it. Right. Right. Well, it's also, you know, not knowing what mindset meant back then, but now that I have a new awareness of what mindset is, I, I knew I wanted to be in college athletics. I knew I wanted to be in the college environment. I, I specifically did my thesis in my master's program working with college athletes. So I had already had a mindset of I wanted to be in the college environment as a coach. So in doing so, did the universe present that opportunity to me? I didn't realize that at the time, but I do really believe it started with that mindset that I had at the time of what I wanted to do. And that I was then put into a position that I was qualified to be able to do it. Maybe we can dig a little bit deeper into that because you have a company that's going to be coaching the bigger game coming up and you're going to be launching that in 2022. And um, one of the things that you notice or so through social media is there's a lot of people that have transitioned from this concept. And I think that you'd be a great person to have this discussion with. Um, but that is that we, for many years, we had consultants and we would go to the corporate events and you would consult and do those things. And what's happened on an individual level across many different platforms over these last two years, I'd say a massive jump right before COVID, but really jumped in when COVID and people actually coaching other business owners to become better business owners. And when, when you have that environment, I think there's some aspects about coaching that maybe we can talk about a little bit. And I had a question in here that I thought was uh, pretty relevant to you. And that is, you know, you start off with, um, and I had it in here, I had more of a, you were with women's soccer and now you got to, you were doing men's and women's. But one of the questions that I was interested in was in those aspects of a young age and you're starting to coach those people. What are those, some of those small things that you see that you're like, other than just pure talent, right? I mean, I mean, I can use Floyd Mayweather as, as people wouldn't say he's the greatest uh, role model, but he says hard work and dedication. And the guy's got more talent than all of them. And he still says hard work, dedication. So what are some of the things that you found at a, at a young age that you kind of went, you know, maybe they're not the best, maybe they're C, you know, maybe they're a C player, but these are the things that I know that if they apply these things, I, I can see them becoming either an A or maybe a B plus um, without the talent that, uh, you know, the kid comes off and he doesn't care as much, I guess, <laughs> about the work. Well, I, I think your question relates directly to AOS and what is the athlete of significance and what does it mean to be an athlete of significance? And, and the whole premise about AOS stems from the 20 plus years of of, of coaching college soccer and recruiting athletes. And this is, I think what you're asking is, you know, what are you looking for when you start to recruit an athlete? What are you, what, what is important in, in that, that aspect of when you step on that field and AOS is built on the premise of that, this idea that coaches don't recruit success. They recruit significance. Whoa, and whoa, what I really whoa, truly mean whoa, whoa, by that. Oh, that's good. Say, say that again. Coaches don't recruit success. They recruit significance. Okay, Your talent in. is important. Your talent is important, but it's not enough because what coaches are really looking for is what is the value you're going to bring to their program. And your value is not based on how fast you run, how hard you kick the ball, 
how many times you can stop the ball from going in the back of the net. Your value is in the person that you come to the school with and what you bring. And so we, we've written out, and we don't call them traits. I don't like to call um, character traits because I believe traits are inherent. We, we are born with that. I've got brown eyes. I was born with brown hair. It's starting to turn gray now. But, uh, but uh, I mean, th- those, are, those are traits. I believe that people refer to them as character skills, and I don't think our character traits. I don't think they're traits. I think yeah. character are skills that we can develop. And so yeah. we talk about developing these skills and these skills of significance. What does it mean to be a servant leader? Are you a, can you serve the people that are around you? Do you have integrity? Do you have gratitude? Are you grateful for the environment that you've been given, the opportunity you've been given? Do you know how to nurture those around you? Are you competitive? I, I think talent and, comp- and com- being competitive are two different things, right? I can be the most talented person in the world, but not competitive. But I can also be the least talented, but I'm going to do everything I can to bring everybody around me up to a new level. So I look for how competitive you are. Are you maximizing the talent that God has given you? I'm looking for that in an athlete. Mm -hmm. So we talk about what these skills are and how do we start to develop these skills. And so when I'm talking with kids, I look at what our core values are. When I talk to players, I I share with them what my core values are at the school that I'm at. And if those core values don't resonate with a player, I don't care how good they are. They're not a fit for our program. So I think that we are seeing more and more and more of that, especially as we're seeing COVID has changed the way we look at things. Um, And the funny thing is, I didn't realize how important this was until I actually took a break from college coaching. And I, I decided to kind of step away for a little bit. And when I said I was stepping away and I was, you know, posted on Facebook, I, I had hundreds of, of posts from players and parents that told me about the experience that they had and the lessons they learned. And not one person talked about the championships that we had won. Mm. They were more focused on the experience and the lessons they learned and the people they became that it dawned on me that there was something more to what I was doing that I was never truly aware of. And that goes back to that next question where we want to work with these young men and women at this point, because it's when we can start to open up to new awarenesses and that's where growth happens. I think that there's such a, there's, there's a gap that's being kind of forged over the, the last couple of years. And I think it's one thing that our, the company, our company moved is about, and it's like, you're seeing that, um, professionals and they always have this professional but there's there's a correlation between professionalism and also sports activity and and that mentality that you says like competitiveness um, their ability to use skills and maximize those skills um, when, when you're working with someone and this person or so um, has let's say specific skills I'm trying not to say traits because I'm trying to not use that word um, but in those skills, in those skills, um, when you see that there's, let's say, for example, they have three, four of them, do you find yourself wanting to do more of an isolated situation and doing more one-on-ones? Or do you find that keeping them in the group and forging them through the group? And let's see if I can kind of lay that out. Um, I'm kind of a believer and we mimic each other, like we chameleon each other more often than we think. And I think that what I'm, I guess I'm asking is that, do you find that taking that person aside and really just working them one-on-one 
or putting them next to somebody that already has the skill because you might not be out there playing, you know what I mean? Like physically, you might not be out there so they can model you, but there might be somebody to model that's on the, on the actual field. How, how do you find that? If I, I, I got that out it, correctly, I think it's a two part, it's a two part thing that you're bringing up because I, you know, I, I'm going to bring up Luis. Lu, Luis is, Luis, I exemplifies what I consider to be an athlete of significance on my current team right now. And he might, he's not necessarily the most talented player, but he brings the most value to our team than any player I've ever had on, you know, that I've ever had the opportunity to coach. And so the first part is, is that you do have some one-on-one -on -one interaction with Luis. I'm going to talk with Luis and, and say, you know, somebody that's a servant leader is very humble and they, and they don't want to necessarily be called out that they, that they have this, this skill, right? But we want them to understand that the skill that they are exhibiting needs to be taught to others. So, Luis, not only do I want you to lead by example with servant leadership, but can you now take that, that, that skill of servant leadership and combine it with the skill of accountability to teach your teammates around you mm. that what servant leadership is mm. and hold them accountable to that? Thus, Luis is elevating his own value because he is now focusing on accountability, which is something he might not have done, but it's a very important skill for him to have. But more importantly, he's teaching his, the rest of the team what servant leadership really is. When I say um, the word heart, what, what, is, what is that? How do you react to that? The word heart means that for me, is you give it your all no matter the circumstances and, and you're true to who you are and what you do. Um, that when, when I step on the field, I'm going to give my heart when I coach, I give my heart to my team. When I'm, when I'm working with, with families in terms of what it means to become a recruited student athlete, I'm going to give you everything I have. And I, I think that's what heart means is that you are willing to give what you have into what your passion is. Mm. I had a, um, a Muay Thai coach. And he's one of the, it's, it's the art of eight limbs. It's a nasty sport out of Thailand. And I'll never forget this question that I walked up to, I asked him and I, and I, yeah, he was badass dude, man. I mean, when I say badass dude, it's probably over 300 fights. Um, and I walked up to him and I said, do you ever lose heart? He says all the time, but I come back. And I think that it was like, it really was significance that we all kind of lose heart. He kind of gave me that look like, what do you think? I'm not human. And I said, well, I kind of, I, did, I didn't think you were to be honest, <laughs> but, uh, but ultimately there was a sense of heart. And that is that we lose it. We do, we, we fall off we, and you got to kind of pick it up. So um, I thought that was kind of interesting in the, in the, in the time of um, coaching you have, uh, especially on a team, uh, you don't have just, one coach you start to have special special specialists and when you do that as a head coach how do you how do you uh work with that team and take that team and say okay this is an authority for that area and do you, and i don't stomp on what you do because i know there's a lot of ego when you get a lot of you know there's we all have a sense of ego we're competitive right we got to have that uh we're always pulling it back but I think ego is okay. I'd rather have to pull it back than not have any. <laughs> right. 
Um, how, how is that managed on the field for you? Well, I, I think it's, it's managed from, from two different avenues. The first is, are you putting the right people around you? So yes, I am the head coach and I'm now the head coach of two different programs. And so in both of those programs, you know, we, we have the same set of core values, but we have our own autonomy in those different programs. And how you are going to coach women is going to be very different than how I coach men. Um, and so, you know, understanding that those dynamics are really important. So the first and most important thing is, do I bring people around me that have the same passion or same vision I have for what coaching is? There are some people that they just want to coach for results. And I'm not, I don't want to coach for results. Results are the byproduct of what we do. So I'm not necessarily coaching for results. I'm coaching for significance. Um, I, 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 want, I want my coaches to understand that we are going to coach our athletes as people. And when we start to focus on them as an individual and the individual characteristics and traits that they come to the table with, and we focus on coaching them as a person, we end up getting a better athlete. So the focus needs to not be coaching the athlete, but to coach the person. And in coaching the person, you get a better athlete. So I need coaches that have that same vision, that same passion for doing that. So that's the first piece that needs to be done. Secondly, I'm a very, very, I'm a, I'm a student of learning and um, probably one of the, the most influential tools that I have come across that I use daily is disc assessment and understanding what our communication style is based on who we are. And then when I understand the communication style of my coaches and I teach my coaches how to understand disc assessment, then we start to understand the communication style of our players. Now we can understand because I might have to talk to Johnny differently than I talked to Tom because of their personality. Mm -hmm. um, and so we want to understand that as well in that, I know who I am and where I'm grounded and how I think and how I operate. And they often say knowledge is powerful. And I don't think knowledge is powerful. I think applied knowledge is where the power is. And so I have to apply this knowledge of what I understand about how we operate as individuals in my communication and how I communicate with my coaches and then how I expect my coaches to communicate with my players. Yeah, that, that makes sense. You brought up, you brought up something else and that was that, you know, boys and girls, uh, you know, in, in, you've been doing this long enough. You'd say it was coming on 25 years, which is fantastic for you. Congratulations. That's a milestone for you. Um, and as you've done that, there's enough time there uh, where you've built and, and coached people, uh, men and women, and they've become pillars in the society after they've left you. In those environments, what are some of those things that those people that you noticed at a young age and you said, look, this person might not play soccer, but what I'm instilling in them is, is life values and, and things like that. Uh, what, what is it that you're recognizing in some of those people that are different, that tend to kind of move to the next level? And, and that would be diversity, I guess, you know, um, but what are some things that you see? Because uh, I worked. I worked for Harley Davidson for a while, and what uh, some people don't know is that they went out there and they bought a skateboard shop. And I remember when everybody was like, "Why are you buying a skateboard shop? You're Harley Davidson. What do you do that for?" And they said that they wanted to study the age before they became who they were because skateboarding is a rebel mentality, is punk rock kind of that concept. And as they kind of grew up, they become 
you know, they would, that, that would be their clientele. <laughs> and right. so I, I think it's a, an interesting question to see what are some things that you're seeing and saying, look, these are the people that are, that I can already tell that they're gonna exceed or they're going to take on these challenges. What are some of those these variables that you notice? Well, I, I think when you, when you look at some of the variables, you've got to look at um, what, have, what has influenced them up to the point that they are, are coming into my world. And so I think it, you, know, you have to understand that at some level. You know, if I'm dealing with first-generation Hispanic students, the family might not value that higher education because they have grown up that it's about the job and the family values. And I'm not discounting the family values, but how can the education change the trajectory of the family if this if the student goes and gets that education? So one of the things I've learned through this process, specifically where I'm at now, is that I, I want the family members, I want mom and dad to be part of the recruiting visit. And then I'm talking with mom and dad. And do you understand what our core values are, what we're trying to do, and what we've envisioned for your son or daughter to be able to, to amplify the family values that you guys have already, but on a grander scale because they get a, 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 an experience in a higher education. And the family members that have gotten that, the, fam the mother and the father that have been there and they understand that, that is the athlete that is actually becoming a better version of themselves because they've had that support system. I was at a private Catholic school that cost $50,000. That school, every single one of those parents valued education. They're willing to put a $15,000 bill on the table to pay for their son or daughter's education because they valued the higher education that much. So it was very different in working with that constituent. It was what about the higher education is important for you and what are you going to, what are you going to do with it? And that can you create a new awareness for what that's going to be? So I think getting to your question is it's, you have to understand the environment in which people are operating in and then paint a picture and give a new awareness of what is possible so that they can step into that greatness that God has created for them but they're only going to do that once they've been painted the picture of what is possible. And I think I just, I thought that, I think I just cleared this up just because easy. I don't think that you, you meant it as a Hispanic or anything like that. I think you meant it as the environment that you're seeing somebody, you probably had somebody in your head that was that person. And I think that also in Arizona, you're also getting a flood of, you know, people coming over from, you know, Mexico, I mean, California as well. Um, and in those schools, we tend, you get a different environment. And I think that, you know, that's extremely important. I mean, I think that, um, you know, determining how different people react is, is extremely important. When it comes to boys and girls, this is an interesting one. I've always thought, um, you know, when you're, when you're with somebody, a significant other, and your significant other is, is a female, and that female is saying to you as, as a guy, that just doesn't make any sense. Why don't you put the toilet seat down? Why don't you know how to do this kind of the laundry? And maybe I'm just telling you everything I've heard about myself, but there really is differences. And, you know, why didn't you think about this? And you're like, well, I, I don't, I don't have that motherly mind. You know, I'm thinking as a hunter, maybe 
when you coach boys and girls, and at this age, you, they're getting older, so they're not just young kids, but what do you see as the difference between those two and how you handle them? Yeah, so early in my career, um, it, 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 it was very, very, I, I had kind of defined what it was, and, and but I, I kind of reshaped that a little bit, but I, I think it all is grounded in the same thing. In coaching, in coaching men, it's about understanding their egos. So when I'm going to coach, a, I'm going into coaching my men's team, it's about their ego and how are we going to get the best out of them because they're always trying to one-up each other. And so their, their, their ego is, is part of what is happening in, in that environment. So you have to understand that. And coaching women, I've learned it's about the relationships and how do we coach and understand the relationships that are going on because Susie might not want to go up against uh, you know Julie because she might hurt her feelings if she beats her too many times. But we want her to beat her. So how do we develop that relationship that is going on and what's happening? And when I first realized this, is I'm telling you the story, first realized this was early in my career at the University of Minnesota Morris. Um, I recruited a, a set of twins and I only got one twin. One twin came and played for me. The other one went to a, another school where we got to play against each other. Now, both of these girls were, were quote, defenders when I was recruiting them. And the other coach actually understood this better than I did. He my girl was playing defender. He made his twin play forward and go against her. Now, it wasn't an ego-driven thing. He understood the relationship piece. Mm. And my player said, coach, I can't play against my sister directly. I, I can't do it. I don't want to upset her. I don't want to. I mean, there, there, it really, it, it came to, this is really interesting to, to dissect this. And the funny thing is, I got the twin to transfer to me because she never developed a relationship with her coach that I had developed with mm. the twin I had. And, I, and then I had the two of them for three more years. Wow. I, I think that you nailed. That was really good. I think that um, manage is, yeah, I can get this, I, I think I repeated, managing the ego for men. And uh, maybe we can go down to just maybe some primal things, right? I mean, if you... If, if you watch lions, and I love lions, I think they're fascinating to watch. And you see the men, that is what they're doing, posturing, ego, you know, positioning for the mate. And women, even though they actually are the hunters, um, women are cultivators. And they, they, they really try to bring and become nesters. I think that that's a great depiction in the way that you put that. Um, as far as, wow, yeah, that's really good. That's really good. And how... What, when you when you take someone that has this, because you're definitely uh, what's what's the average? If you recruited a team, um, if you recruited a team, what's your what's your numbers of recruitment on that team? What not obviously on the field, but what is the total? So so on on the, my men's side, and and it's because of how we play the game and everything, and the, the, the demands on the men's side, we we probably I roster about twenty eight. Um, 28 to maybe 30 on the women's side, I only roster 22 to 24, because again, remember the importance of relationships, the more women I add, I'm not dealing with egos to get the best out of a player, right? I'm dealing with 
the relationship yeah. within the players and that they're supporting each other and they do that. And if you get too big, it, it makes it more challenging. With the guys, the 28 guys on there, you're creating competition. You're creating an environment that, damn it, I want to make the, I want to make the uh, starting squad. I want to make the travel squad. On the women's side, well, she didn't get to play. I want to let her play. Well, we want the best players on the field. So I think it's, you know, it's very different again. On the men's side, I do I do carry about 28 to 30. And on my women's side, I carry about 22 to 24. And is that because on the men's side, you're you're less you're more okay with hurting the kid, the guy. I don't want to say it like that, but really you're more, you're it's, there's more value in a boy losing and his mental state might have the recovery. Not, not that women don't have that, but maybe a name right. in our nature. Right. I don't, uh, what's the, what's the girl. She, um, she decided she was, she did the horse and she did, she was the Olympian. And she stepped out for um, mental health issues and she decided not to go. She's a much shorter girl. Um, she won the gold. And do you remember who I'm talking about? No, not the top of your head. My head. Um, yeah, she just was in the Olympics and I can't remember her name and I wish I could. Um, but you can see that there was just this, it's almost like, and again, it could come from a female, but I don't think. I'm not a psychologist, so I'm not going to say that I know anything about that full side. But at the, but at the end of the day, I think it's, you know, guys, you can you can kind of beat them up a little bit more. And guys yeah. can kind of take an ass whooping and then and then we can kind of figure out a way to kind of put ourselves in the pecking order. Yeah, so so my, my experience has been a little bit of this. I mean, the guys are going to approach. I'm going to prove you wrong, coach. Yeah, right? There you go. That's good. Right. The, the, the women are more about not necessarily I want to try to prove you wrong. I don't want to disappoint you, coach. Mm. So, it, you know, it, it's understanding how they, how they, how we operate. I mean, red wires, blue, was it blue wires, pink wires, right? Mm. We're, we're wired with, with, with blue wires or we're wired with pink wires. And, and we're, we are different on how we view the world and how we deal with the world based on, on uh, you know, what we bring in and observe, not just from our, our again, this goes back to what, what, does a, what does a female or a male see happening in their home environment? Mm. Because that's an influence in terms of, of what, they, what they do. Um, and I so, think they're recognizing that more or less. And I think that the reason, you know, a lot of our stuff will talk about business and things like that. And I think that um, one of the reasons this is fascinating is because, what, like I said earlier, is that we're finding more and more is that professionals and things that they're starting to want to adapt that. And they have, they, I mean, how many people haven't used teams and sports concepts and things like that for a long time. But I think that individually, we've been yearning more to figure out how to make ourselves better. And we're looking for coaching or, you know, consulting and, and the availability to get it with the internet, you know, if you wanted to learn something or get coached on something, you know, 10 years ago, you know, you, you were subject to who you could find maybe 15 years ago, you know, you, who, who was in your local area, who, who, what mother or your father could take you and get coached. And with the internet, you, you could even, 
even your soccer players, when you talk about psychology and things like that, you could have one-on-ones, you know, in Zoom, speaking about mindset when they're not even on the court. Right. And um, my question would be, and my thought pattern that kind of comes up with that is, how has that dynamic happened over these last two years? How is the dynamic between you and your, and your, um, and your, well, your, I don't want to say students, your players, and what is your dynamic between those because of, you know, I don't even want to use the word, let's just say pandemic, but what, what's been that dynamic? You know, did you, did you use Zoom? Did you, because you don't want to lose communication with these people, because like you said, it's about camaraderie, keep them together, keep them moving, keep them, you know. Yeah, we, we, we actually did have to go to using Zoom and, and doing a lot of uh, trying to do Zoom meetings, uh, individual one-on-one -on -one meetings. Um, you know, the, the challenge that I, that, you know, early on it, 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 it did work, but yeah, honestly, as we got further into, you know, the pandemic and things were happening, um, it became a little bit more difficult because they're engaged in online learning, which, you know, we weren't designed to be learning online all the time. I think there's some aspects of learning online works. I think there needs to be the interaction back and forth with each other. Um, so, you know, we, we kind of pulled away a little bit from the Zoom meetings as soon as we were allowed to have that more interaction with each other. That was really important that we, we had that interaction with each other. But we still even do Zoom meetings as we need to because it, it is a new tool and allows us to do it. But there's other things that have come out to play. You, you can use your phone and you can have apps and, and do communication and different things through apps in terms of what you do. Um, you know, at, at AOS, part of what we... we we work with uh, um, soccer camps and we can, we can give, give kids skills training and strength and conditioning training all through an app. And then we can give them, you know, interaction on how do you, how do you set the right mindset? What is your sports psychology? And we can use you know, the, the technology that we have, but I think it's very, very important to not rely on technology alone because we are social beings and we need to have social interaction. And I'm not talking social media as being social interaction. Mm -hmm. I think that um, I was just having a conversation with a very good friend of mine. And I said, you know, my business, I run it, you know, run it through virtual. We do all these things. And I said, you know, I didn't understand this. Um, you know, as I was younger, I didn't, I didn't understand this statement when, said, when someone said, yeah, I have to go to yoga or I have to go out and, and have a walk or I have to go and have coffee with someone, you know, years back, people were like, these are the things that I have to do for my mental state. Right. And I was talking to him. And I said, I said the same, the same thing. I said, you know what, man, I found out like, I got to go out and get involved in something. I, you know, I, I've got a good friend group, things like that, but I don't get to see them like I used to. And, you know, choosing things to go do to create camaraderie because we are, we do isolate ourselves more. Um, than we did before. And what were some of the things that you found now that you kind of came back, what were some things that you found in your players that you said, you know what, I've got to figure like this pandemic has affected these players. What, what are some things I'm sure you guys have gotten together as coaches and had that conversation. Yeah. So one of the first things I did is I went back to, you know, as I was trying to start a, a company and a business and, and realizing, okay, how do I take this 20 plus years of experience and what I've learned and, and what I, what I'm passionate about and that I know there's a better way of coaching and that can you coach for significance? 
Can you develop athletes of significance? Um, I, you know, I knew that was important, but I had to go back to, okay, I'm trying to start a business. What am I being, what am I learning and starting a business that's important? And one of those things that, that we, that was, that came out of all this, as I was trying to build my own business was having a mission statement. And I took that, I took that activity that, 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 you know, that, that process I had to go through of writing a mission statement. And we went through an activity with both the men's and women's teams about writing a mission statement for our team. And what does it mean? And then we went through this activity of what is it that's important? What is it that you, that, that, you know, that needs to happen? What do we, what do you want our outcomes to be? And so we went through it very much like an activity you would do with any mission statement, but we wrote it for the team and each team now has their defined mission statement that whenever we start to run into struggles, we go right back to the mission statement and talk about the mission statement to get us grounded and get us focused on where we want to go. And it very much like a business, you need to have that mission statement. When you hit a roadblock, you go back to the mission statement to keep you on focus. And so that was really important is even as I had my meetings at the end of the year, that was one of the common things the player said is, Doing that mission statement was so important to having us have success in, in what we were doing. You know, I don't, I don't like to gloat a whole lot. I, I really don't, to be honest with you. But I have a team. My men's team was one of the worst programs in the entire country four years ago. They were ranked as high as 18th this year. It had nothing to do with talent. It had to do with what were we intentionally doing to build a culture and an environment and have a mission statement that lives into that culture. So you make a, you make a kind of a shift and, and you say, look, I do this coaching and now I'm going to go into business and do all these things. And what, in your mind, what, what were some of those things? Because, you know, you go, you coach, do your thing. And now you're like, wait a minute, I got to run kind of this business. I got to bring people in. And, and is the business model that you have actually coaching other coaches that are coaching other soccer organizations? So it, it's a it's a twofold model. The the athlete of significance model is really a coaching educate a recruiting education platform. Okay. It's to work with families, high school athletes on the recruiting process and understand the recruiting process. This is not a recruiting service. We don't want to. We're not. I'm not I don't promise to put you in front of college coaches, and I'm not going to ever promise to put you in front of a college coach. What I'm going to do is I'm going to teach you to understand your value that you have and how to communicate with a college coach to showcase that value to them. Because that's how you get recruited. Okay. And then so, I'm going to give okay. you some tools that I didn't design. Other people design the tools. I've partnered with some people that have the tools to help you do the search process. But really, it's not about the search. It's about how do you understand what your value is and how do you develop the significance in what you're doing and then showcase that to a coach. So that's what AOS is about. AOS is about, so we talk about, when we give a roadmap, you know, how do we go through this process of being recruited through these tools and understanding these tools. Coaching the bigger game, the one coming out in January is really to work with coaches. Mm-hmm. I can only work with so many athletes and I can see the power that I've had with working with my athletes. And I can see the power when my assistant coaches do things we created it. We're creating an environment where how can I, I can go onto Facebook and I'm 
groups with number of Facebook groups on all coaching. And I'm just in the soccer ones. I'm not in the baseball ones or the football ones or basketball. I'm just in the soccer groups. And over and over and over again is how do I deal with this difficult situation? How do I deal with the kid that's not engaged? How do I deal with the kid or the parent that is, you know, this, that nobody's asking, how do I coach a 442? Want to know why they're not asking that? Because they know where they can go get that. Mm. They're asking, how do we deal with the dynamics on our team? And that's when I realized coaching the bigger game is dealing with the dynamics of the team. And how can I have a bigger influence? It's going to be no better than meeting with coaches and helping them understand that your job is to coach significance, not to coach soccer. And that you're using soccer to coach significance. So the coach in the bitter game, we got to meet people where they're at. It could be strictly online. You're going to watch some videos. You know, buy a program, watch some videos. We can go the next step. We like to, I, like, I want to call it the virtual classroom where there's activities you're going to have, but you can get on a coaching call once a month with us. And we'll talk through what your challenges are and what you're going through and use our experiences. And then the, the full program for the coach that really, really wants to take that ultimate step to changing how they're going to approach their, their journey as a coach. And they really understand it's no longer about winning. It's a mastermind and being involved in a 12 month mastermind with 12 or 15 like-minded coaches that I'm not facilitating anymore. I'm part of the process with you. And we're going to talk about these topics and we call it elevating significance through sports. So you elevate your own personal leadership. You elevate your individual team members you elevate the team, and then you leave a legacy. And that's what that's the process in which we go through. Wow, that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, I think that one of the things that you brought up earlier, and I was going to kind of circle back on it, and that was like the, the discussion, I think, that you said, or we were kind of going through some things, and that is like the process you're trying to get, you know, they, you know, they don't talk about the championship they won or anything like that. And this, uh, I don't know, it wasn't that same girl, but there's always stories about um, Olympians and they'll go to the Olympics and they'll go the whole process and then they'll win the gold and they'll come home absolutely depressed. They'll come home just like as if they hit their peak and they're over with. How do you handle these students that they hit this major high and now they've got life to kind of handle? How, do you, how, do you, how have you found over these years to kind of set that foundation while you kind of send them off to another organization if they continue on with soccer or whatever they're going to do? How, how have you found um, to kind of prepare them for that? Because you're a part of that part. I mean, I mean you, you know you, <laughs> you have to be intentional about talking about it daily. See, we, we can go to practice and every day we're going to do the skills, you know, we're going to do a technical warm up. We're going to do maybe a tactical thing. We're going to do this. And we're, we're always focusing on the same things. But you must also, if you're going to have this idea of changing the environment and having significance, that has to be as just as much a part of everything that you do. And it must be intentional. You have to have time set aside in your practice for doing this. And you're going to take, you're going to have these activities. You're going to have these discussions and you're going to have these um you know, these heart-to-heart -heart talks and you're going to have, and sometimes these heart-to-heart -heart talks might go deeper than, than you anticipated. And it means you might be spending 10 less minutes on the field because this is more important. 
because it's going to make a greater impact on what's going to happen during the time. So for, for coaches to really understand this is it, it is you have to be intentional about what you're doing. One of the activities I, I take my coaches through is to write a six-word story. And I, I don't know if you've ever heard of the six-word story concept. It's from Ernest Hemingway. Um, mm. He talked about his six, and I don't know if I get it exactly right, but, it, you know, for sales, baby shoes never worn, right? And that's the story. And, and, and now you as, the, you, you as the reader have to interpret what happened within those six words. Mm. I challenge my coaches to go, I challenge coaches to write their own six-word story about where they're at and what they're doing. And my six-word story is satisfaction stifles, consistency compounds, right? So we want, we can't be satisfied where we're at. So it, it, that's actually satisfaction stifles, curiosity creates, consistency compounds. And it took me some time to work with that, but I, and I should never be satisfied with where I'm at. So to get out of, the, to not be satisfied, right? To not be stifled, I always need to ask questions. I need to be curious in asking questions. And I got to consistently do that to compound my results. So that's my six-word story. And I teach that what is now going to be your six-word story that helps you move through how you define what you are going to do as a coach. How are you going to move through what you're going to define and what your experience as an athlete is going to be? Because when you define that, it's no longer about getting the gold medal or winning the championship, right? I, My dad used to tell me all the time, it, you're, the, 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 uh, the destination should never be your goal. It's always your journey. The journey should be your goal. Why do you think, why, why do you think we choose uh, the latter? What? Why do you think we choose the, the other way? Because it's something tangible we can see, right? Uh, there it is. I, I can go and get that. I want to get that. And we are, we're beings in terms of yeah, how we want to go things. We want to go up. We're always striving. We look for what's up there. And we need to, we need, if we focus on the journey, what ends up happening, you end up on top of the mountain, you know, it, it, because you, you're focusing on what, what the journey is. And so it goes back to, we need to go from being success focused right? We need to be going from success focused to engaged in significance, to engaged in understanding why we're doing what we're doing. That's, that's, I think that that's, uh, I think that the one reason I think that um, you bring so much value to even entrepreneurs in this case is because <clears throat> I think sports are, are the early age of finding out your competitive nature um, are you willing to move forward? Are you willing to do the things that you shouldn't do? Um, one question that I was going to kind of lay out and I was kind of curious is that let's say that you have all those 22 students, like 29, or I think it was close to those two numbers. And those two numbers of men and women, as you have people come through a program and just like people in business, what, what is your, if, if maybe not, not everybody's goals are exactly the same. But out of those percentages, which, how many of those actually continue on to the next, you know, the next level? So, I, I mean, this is a great question and you, you have to define what the next level is. So when we, when I first came here, I'm at, I'm at a community college now. I spent most of my career at four-year schools. I come to, I come to Paradise Valley, which is a junior college, a two-year school. 
I, I really had, okay, what is true to who I am, right? What are the core values I had at other institutions? But I have to write core values that are specific to my college and where I'm at, or my environment that I'm in, because different core values don't fit every environment. So this environment is different than when I was at a private Catholic school that cost $50,000. Mm-hmm. So I actually took, and again, this is a tool for coaches out there. This could be a tool for your company, whatever you want, try this. This is a great exercise for you to use. I took our mascot, which is the Pumas. And I wrote our core values based off of the mascot. So I, I okay, what, so I know, I know I had five letters. What are going to be five core values that we're going to write? And P, Pumas was, we are going to be a pathway to progress. So when I recruit players, that pathway is not the same for every single person, but we want to understand that this is a place where you can engage in that pathway. I have one young man who wanted to be a fireman. We have a fire science program. He played for us for two years, and now he's in the fire academy. He didn't have an aspiration of going to a four-year program. He was good enough that I had kid coaches calling me and wanting to recruit him. But his pathway was to become a fireman. So we set him up with the pathway for that to happen. We have some that want to be nurses. So it's very difficult to go through nursing programs and play college athletics. Oh, There's yeah. very few places you can do that. We yeah. are a great option because we have all that prerequisites at work and allows them those two years of doing that before they move in full-fledged into a nursing program. So there, there was their pathway. Other kids want the four-year experience. I don't want to sit the bench for two years before I get to play. Come here and play, and then we move you on to that four-year program. So I think it's, you know, my goal is that I get 100% of them down their right pathway. Now, I can't do that because it's not incumbent on PT to do the work. Mm-hmm. It's incumbent upon them to do the work. I would say a good 80 to 85% of our players that come through our program are actually moving and progressing down their pathway through the resources and the support and the learning and the engaging that they've had with us. And there are we're always going to have those group of kids that say, I'm not going to put in the work. <clears throat> well then you're going to stay stagnant. You're going to be where you are. I'm going to come back five years from now and you're still going to be doing the same thing. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that, that plays a big role in, in who they are. You know, it's like, what are those decisions that they're going to make professionally or if they stay in the athletic field? Um, well, this has been, this has been a great, a great time. Um, you know, you've brought some great significance. I got to use your work, buddy. Um, <laughs> Uh, you, you bring a lot of that to the table. I think that a lot of people in business uh, should should really study what coaches are doing. Now, you're obviously venturing off into business concepts and things like that. And as you do those, um, what are some of the challenges that you found personally? Here's my first challenge. My first challenge was, especially when I stepped away from college coaching for a little bit and I was going to do this, I said, I'm going to be a leadership trainer. I'm going to be, I'm going to be this guru of leadership development, right? And I'm going to go into all these businesses and I'm going to help change their environments and do this. And I was trying to be everything to everyone. Mm. And I was slamming into a wall, left and right, getting frustrated and not, and not being able to do it. And it was when I had a mentor of mine tell me to get out of my own way and what is it you're passionate about? And I said, I'm passionate about coaching college soccer. 
Why are you passionate about Coach Kawasaki? Because that's the point when young men and women start to find out who they are and what they want to do with their lives. And they open up into a new awareness. And I love being part of that. He says, well, then maybe you need to be working with high school and college athletes on that aspect of things. And that's when AOS was born. It was, I'm not going to be a leadership coach and a sales coach and, a, you know, for all these corporate. Could I do that? Absolutely, I could. I could still, I still get invited to do, you know, uh, uh, do keynote speaking or, or those types of things. But what I focus in on is working with the athletes. And now we're bringing in coaching the bigger game mm-hmm. to teach the concepts to coaches as well to leave a bigger legacy. Well, this has been an incredible interview. Uh, it, it, you know, I think that what you brought to the table, I didn't even think it was going to be as in depth and, and you laid it out. You, you really planned out um, what it really takes to kind of take someone from one place to the other. And, and in business, you, we always talk about like transformations, you know, what is that transformation that you're going to get? And I think that you lay out the same thing and it's, you know, nothing's changed under the sun. You know, they, they're, they're students to you and then they go into life and they start to do business. They find mentor and it's the same formula. You know, it's the exact same formula. It just has a different subject. You're just in a different period. You're just in a different, right. you know, you're in a different state. Um, if somebody watches this and they're like, look, you know, because I'm sure there's professionals out there that also want to do coaching and they want to become better coaches because you probably could be a good coach and don't have to be a full-time coach. Um, wh- where could they find you? Uh, so I, there's, there's two big main places, aossports.com. And then my email address for that would be Christian at aossports.com. That's that the athlete of significance, the recruiting education, those types of things. And we are getting ready to go live with coaching the bigger game. And that's going to be coaching the bigger game.com. And, but still AOS Christian at AOS sports is the primary email address that, you know, to reach out to me on. And you can find me on LinkedIn under Christian DeVries. Um, I uh, look up AOS sports. It will pop up. I actually think even on my thing, I'm the AOS guy um, uh, on LinkedIn is another place you can, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, we do have AOS sports, Instagram um, and, and Facebook page. And we're working on the coaching the bigger game as well. Well, Christian, it's been a fantastic uh, 45 minutes to an hour. You gave a lot of great content. I enjoyed myself. I learned some stuff too, uh, and also solidified some things that I, I said, you know, that's, that is right, and, and allowed me to learn as well. So I always appreciate these. I'm always in a learning phase. So I just want to say thank you, and uh, keep doing it, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate the time. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.